The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. updates for you today and then there's another case that I haven't covered but I just wanted to air my opinion about it which no one has asked for but I'm going to give it anyways and it's actually kind of an unpopular opinion but I still want to give it. I also wanted to let you know that on March 9th I have a special episode coming out on the murder of Brayton Bullock with participation from Brayton's dad Colin and his aunt Cheryl. It's actually a long episode and one that I actually wrote and recorded back in 2021, and we've been waiting on some new information in this case, which is why I haven't published it until now. But we've decided on the anniversary of his death this year that we would publish it. And then hopefully I'm going to have an update for you on that case in the near future. So first off, if you've been a longtime listener, you might remember that I did an episode in my first season on the murder of Audrey Trudeau. From here in Calgary. Now, because it's from season one, it's actually no longer available on the regular feed. It has been moved to the exclusive feed, but I'll just give you a quick refresher on the case. Audrey Trudeau was born in Peterborough, Ontario, but, but relocated to Calgary and then bought a townhouse in the Glenbrook area, was 44 and divorced, living with her cat, Missy. She worked at the Rocky View Hospital and befriended a hospital porter named Deborah Point, who became Audrey's roommate. And Audrey was planning on moving back to Kitchener, Ontario, so she had the condo up for sale and Deborah was going to be moving out. The arrangement hadn't been working out all that well anyways because Audrey had suspected Deborah of stealing cash and cigarettes from her purse. On February 25th, 1999, she went to her bowling night and returned to the condo and then was never seen alive again. A review of Audrey's bank records revealed that Deborah had forged $5,000 in checks from her but without a body, they had really nothing to go on. Until July 5th, when Audrey's dismembered body was found in the garage of one of Deborah's friends' places in a taped-up box with some mothballs that had been scattered on top to disguise the smell. Audrey had suffered 15 chopping wounds to the head, would they think from an axe, and as mentioned, had been dismembered. Deborah Point was convicted of second-degree murder in 2000 and was not eligible for parole for 20 years. She lost all of her appeals, and in 2014, she applied for early parole under the Faint Hope Clause and had lost that because, quote, Point's denial of any involvement in the death of Trudeau is significant. 
In this case, I'm of the view that Point's denial of involvement in light of what the trial judge described as overwhelming evidence that Point not only committed a brutal murder, but also dismembered the body and stored it in a friend's garage, renders this case such that there is a substantial likelihood a jury would not reduce the 20 years parole ineligibility. In 2017, she was given a single escorted leave pass to attend a Gamblers Anonymous meeting. And then on January 31st, 2024, she was granted full parole, still saying that, quote, I had nothing to do with Audrey's death. I had nothing to do with her dismemberment. I had nothing to do with moving the boxes there. I was living at Audrey's. She had gone to deal with some matters and I never saw her again, but I had nothing to do with Audrey's remains getting into that garage. The board had actually said that it wasn't necessary for her to admit guilt in order to determine if her risk to the community was manageable. She had said that her actual problems had come from a gambling addiction that she had, that she had managed to stay clean for the past 22 and a half years, and she was continuing to attend Gamblers Anonymous. She said at the time of the hearing that she had a full-time job and a romantic partner that she met that while they were both incarcerated, but she has actually been on day parole since 2021. Uh, So that's an update in that case that Deborah Point is out and about free and probably still in and around the Calgary area. Okay, so the next case is Delphi, which is not a case that I covered before. Like I didn't cover, cover it, Um, but I did give you the details on where the case was at uh, as of the, I think the end of October. Uh, This is the horrific murder of Abby Williams and Libby German from Delphi, Indiana. And where I left off, Richard Allen, who is the man that's charged with the two murders, was being represented, may I say rather horribly, by Andrew Baldwin and Brad Rosie. And after admitting that the leak of some crime scene photos was the result of their leaving the evidence out where it could basically be screenshotted by a former employee, were basically told by Judge Francis Golf um, that they were to quit or they were going to be removed from the case. Um, and that was actually done in a meeting in chambers and not an actual hearing. So Brad and Andrew went to the Supreme Court to request a magdamus hearing where, which is just basically a hearing where they're going to, they will hear arguments about things that either the prosecution or the defense feel have to be heard and decided on before trial. And they, they aren't things that could be dealt with in a regular trial appeal. So what, Baldwin and Rosie wanted from this hearing was to be reinstated as Richard Allen's lawyers and to have Judge Francis Gull removed from the case as considered biased. Not surprisingly, on January 18th, the the court denied removing Francis Gull from the case, but more surprising, they did reinstate Baldwin and Rosie, basically claiming that lawyers can't be removed when the accused doesn't want them removed, which is a bit, a little bit crazy because they were removed due to essentially gross incompetence. So now Gull and these two lawyers have to work together again. And in my opinion, what the Supreme Court has actually done has set it so that there will be a full trial, a very expensive and very long trial. And if Richard Allen loses, um, there's going to be an appeal citing judge bias and an ineffective counsel. And then there will be a second trial because it will be easy to appeal on the basis of ineffective counsel because those words are pretty much already in the court transcripts. Then on January 30th, Rosie and Baldwin were right back to work and filed another request to have Gall removed. 
saying there is no recognizable legal rationale which supports Judge Gull continuing to preside over this case. And in these documents, they made a bunch of arguments against um, Judge Gull, um, including that she had interfered with the attorney-client relationship by removing them in the first place uh, because Richard Allen had chosen them, even though they were court-appointed. Quote, if the Indiana Supreme Court concluded that Judge Gull wrongfully denied Richard Allen of the attorneys of his choosing, wouldn't then an objective person have a reasonable belief that she, Judge Frances C. Gall, is biased and prejudiced towards defendant Allen? Uh, now, some of their argu- other arguments that they have against her are that she staged the premeditated removal of them on October 12, 2023, that the concerns cited by Gall in her forced removal of them did not form a basis for their removal under Indiana law and were a complete surprise to the defense, that she attempted to deny them the transcripts of the in-chambers hearing, which, side note, didn't do them any favors, uh, that she denied Allen his right to a speedy trial by forcing the removal of his chosen lawyers from the case, that she has exhibited a lack of concern about and taken no action to protect the physical and mental health of Allen, and that she has treated the prosecution more favorably than the defense. So basically, every single time Judge Gall rules against them now, she's being biased. Um, Oh, now she did also throw out the Franks memo, which is that long-winded social media hyped report about the Odin conspiracy, which was really nothing more than over 100 pages on of nonsense in that in the end just asked that the ballistics report on the single spent bullet be thrown out. So she didn't actually deny them claiming this Odin thing, uh, just the ballistics, which is not considered, it's not actually biased, it's just the law. Now, on the prosecution side, they filed a motion that Rosie, uh, now that he's, of course, back on the case, should be cited for contempt of court for the leak of violating the gag order on the distribution of evidence. Uh, That was scheduled to be heard on February 12th, but Baldwin and Rosie filed a request for a continuance to delay that hearing until after the hearing about um, Gull being removed again. So basically, my update on this case is that the circus continues. I believe that the trial is now scheduled for October of 2024, but let's not all hold our breath on that. Okay, so now we get to the case that I want to give my opinion on. It's, like I said, it's a very unpopular opinion, but I'm going to give it anyways. That is Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Again, it's not a case that I have covered. If you are not aware of this case, I I don't have it in me, unfortunately, to give you all the background. Basically, Gypsy was raised by her mom, Didi, who everyone says has a fictitious disorder imposed on another or Munchausen by proxy. Uh, personally, I don't think that's all that that was. I think there's a lot more to it. I think she was kind of more just a scammer. Uh, but she raised Gypsy to basically live a lie that she was all kinds of sick. And she underwent a lot of unnecessary treatments and surgeries. Uh, I mean, just talking about the doctors here would take me like an hour long episode. Uh, There's no denying that Gypsy's life was stunted and horrible and full of abuse to her body and her mind. Um, On June 14th, 2015, the body of Dee Dee was found in her home in Missouri, dead from multiple stab wounds. Gypsy, who everyone believed was 15, but was actually 23, was found in Wisconsin with her boyfriend, Nick Godajohn, who who she had secretly met online. So Gypsy had sort of conspired with Nick to kill her mother so that they could be free to live together and she wouldn't have to pretend 
to be mentally challenged and wheelchair-bound anymore. And so this is what allegedly happened. Nick went in, into Gypsy and Dee Dee's house. Um, Gypsy Rose had let him in, and allegedly she gave him duct tape, gloves, and a knife with the understanding that he was going to use those items to murder Dee Dee. So Gypsy Rose hid in the bathroom, covered her ears so that she would not have to hear her mother screaming, and then Nick then stabbed Dee Dee 17 times in the back while she was asleep. Afterwards, Nick claimed that the two of them had sexual intercourse in Gypsy, Gypsy Rose's room um, and that she had performed fellatio on him. But Gypsy Rose alleged that Nick had actually raped her and that the sexual activity was not consensual. Um, she alleged that Nick had told her that he would rape her because she didn't allow him to rape Dee Dee before the murder, um, as he had previously fantasized about. Uh, Gypsy Rose said that she had called out for help to her mother during that rape. They took together $4,000 in cash that Dee Dee had around the house. Um, they fled to a motel just outside of Springfield and they stayed there for a few days, sort of just planning their next move. They mailed the murder weapon back to Nick's house in Wisconsin to avoid being caught with it. And then they took a bus back there. Now there were a lot of witnesses and surveillance camera that saw uh, the pair of them together and that Gypsy Rose was wearing a blonde wig and ha had no trouble walking. Now remember, most people knew Gypsy to be wheelchair bound. So Nick was given a life sentence and Gypsy was given a 10 year sentence. And while serving her sentence, she ended things with Nick and then married Ryan Anderson, who she had met through one of those prison pal pay pen pal things. She was released on December 28th, 2023 to quite the fanfare and public sympathy and curiosity. Uh, she released a book in January, 2024. She's appeared on Good Morning America, CNN, The View. I believe there's a couple of Netflix specials about her um, with her participating in them. So here's the deal. And this is the part that's going to get people upset with me. There is no denying that Gypsy Rose was the victim of childhood abuse at the hands of her mother. There's also no denying that Dee Dee is a horrible, horrible person. But the question that I have is, what makes Gypsy Rose any different than any other person who's been accused of a violent crime that claims that their childhood trauma was the reason, or at least a contributing factor to the reason? And we never buy it, especially from a man. I mean, if you commit a murder, even if you kill your abusive mother or father or babysitter, you're still considered a murderer. So it is my opinion that Gypsy Rose should not be treated like a celebrity because I'm concerned about what's going to happen sp specifically to her when all of the ten attention dies down. I mean, her entire life has been really poor Gypsy, her illness, you know, all her illnesses. So, you know, when she was sick, she got a lot of sympathy for the fact that she was this you know, the sick girl with leukemia, she was wheelchair bound. She was basically just all kinds of sick. And then there was poor Gypsy, her whole childhood, like, you know, poor Gypsy, everything that she went through in her childhood and the abuse and basically denied a childhood. And then it became poor Gypsy. She's in prison. So when the day comes and it's not poor Gypsy anymore, like, I don't think she's going to go off and kill anyone else, but it is so messed up if you ask me. The people that need to be looked up to in society are the ones that become good, decent people in spite 
of their terrible childhoods. Those are the people that I personally admire and the ones that I would be more likely to watch interviewed on CNN. Now, here's the part that's going to get you really, really upset. What possible inspiration to us can Gypsy Rose provide? She actually didn't overcome anything. She just eliminated something. So I know, I know that's a very unpopular opinion, but I spend my waking hours researching true crime and I have suffered the loss of a violent crime. And now I would never go so far as to say that there is never a justification for taking another person's life. You break into my house and you're going to murder me. uh, There's a chance I'm going to fight and you might lose that fight. But in this case, this specific case, Gypsy Rose was, she was 23 years old and yes, she was under the coercive and psychological control of her mom, but she knew it like she had gone against her mom enough and knew how to use the internet. She was doing that secretly. She, she did know how to walk. So she was mobile. She had made it all the way to Wisconsin. In again, in my opinion, she had a million other choices And I personally think she should have taken one of those other choices. But with that, I'm going to be back again on Monday with a regular episode. Thank you so much for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.